We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 again this morning. So if you have a, a pew Bible in front of you, if you have it on your phone or whatnot, you can turn there. Um, we are going to be there for a while. We're going to look at uh, 17 through 29, I believe, and go from there. So if you are interested in following along, that's fine. Otherwise, you can open your bulletin up. We do have a few notes, and they will be on the screen a little bit as well. So thank you for uh, your coming out and things. And There. Okay, now I can see my sermon. Change. When we change, we have to change our mindset. We have to change lifestyle. We have to change. And a lot of things, times when we talk about change, we don't really like it. And when the Holy Spirit is convicting us in change, then there's a lot of fear that can go along with that change as well because it takes us out of our comfort zone and it takes us into the unknown. Into the unknown. Into the unknown. Ah. Nothing. All right. Good. I watched too many Disney movies, folks, so that's where that's coming from. That's Frozen 2. You're like, yeah, I know. I know that movie. But we want to take off our old self, and we want to put on our new self, right? And so our old self is our old way of life. It is our sin nature. It is what our youthful desires, our youthful lusts crave, and we need to put on a new self which gives us life in Christ. And that is, can be fearful, right? There can be a lot of fear that goes along with that. But when, when Christ enters our lives, he liberates us from our lifestyle of sin. And when that happens, there's a transformation that happens in our hearts, in our life, in our lifestyle. And then our mind is renewed with him, and it makes it much more easy when we do life with Christ, opposed to trying to do that change by ourselves. There's many that try to do that change, and they keep falling back. It's because they eventually keep trying to do the, use their own power and their own strength, and that's never going to work. If we want true lifestyle change, if we want true peace in our hearts and our life, we need to find that through Christ Jesus. Amen? That's right, Pastor Shane. You tell him. Okay, I need to hear a little bit more than just Linda on the amens. I'm sorry. So we'll try that again later on, all right? So we're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we've gone through 1 through 3, which is kind of the doctrine, right? And then we got the application that comes in 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians. So if you ever read Ephesians, it reads a lot like Romans in the sense that the beginning starts with we have to have these things established before we get to the application, Okay. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 establish that God's awesome, we're not, Jesus saves us, we can't, and we need to depend on him, okay? Now it's on how are we going to live. You're like, you mean I could have came today just for that sermon instead of the last five, six, seven weeks that you've, we're moving on, we're digressing there, right? No, because we got to know the details, right? There's a lot of details more than that, and it's good to go back and read those if you haven't. So in verse 17, it says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Now, Paul will do this a couple of times. He'll say, this comes from the Lord. This is just a personal thing. Okay? This is one of these that comes from the Lord. It's very important. Pay attention. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God gives because they have 
close their minds and harden their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ since you have heard about him, about Jesus, and have learned the truth that comes from him, throwing off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What is holy? It means to be separate from sin. Okay? God is not just holy. He's holy, holy, holy. Okay? And anytime you do that in Hebrew, that compounds it. So it's 10 times with two. It's 100 or 1,000 times with three. We can never approach that kind of holiness and that kind of description that God is. Okay? Since God is that holy, we have sin in our life. God can't be in the presence of sin or he will eradicate that which is in his presence, which is sin. And so he will eradicate us. So to say that God sends people to hell is not true. It, it, what is true is that we chose our sin over God, okay? God can't be in the presence of sin, so for, in order for us to get back to God, we have to get rid of sin in our life. And we're pretty much in a hopeless state unless we have some, a Savior, right, which is Jesus Christ. And if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and we submit to his way, it walks us into righteousness, and if we walk in righteousness, then we can have a way back to God. Wow, that's exciting, right? I'm excited about it. So what do we do? We have this war that wages inside of us. If you read in Romans chapter 70, Paul does a really good job of talking about this war. He also talks about it briefly here in Ephesians. I always think that when he wrote the letter to Ephesus, he's, already, he's either reminding them something they already knew or he didn't have much paper because it's like many Romans. It's compacted down. He's like, I've talked about this, so I'm going to remind you about this, but I don't, I'm not going to go into the details like I did in Romans. Well, in Romans, he had to go into the major details because he's never been to that church. He's about to go visit them, and he's heard about this division, and he's heard about these things going on, and so he has to go into all the details so they can see where his basis is. And Paul's basis and letter to Roman is, I would say, and I've heard it before, the, the constitution of Christianity. So if you want to know what Christianity is about, as far as the legalism goes with it, it's in Romans. But the relationship part of it, you want to read the Gospel of John because that's where you see um, Jesus and John having this relationship and Jesus having a great relationship with everyone there. But God is calling us out. He's calling us out in two different ways. He's calling us out when, in regards to our sin. Like, dude, Shane, you're sinning. Get with the program. Get back in the game, right? And he's calling us out in the sense, Shane, you're comfortable. Stop being comfortable and go share the gospel. Oh, boy. So he's calling out me out from my comfort. And he's calling me out on my sin, Right? So he's calling us out in two different ways. It's only that which somebody in authority that you allowed in your life can do. And so this is a passage to Christians, right? But it's an easy way to get there. We'll talk about that a little bit today, as I already have. Paul identifies several bad habits, lifestyles, practices from our past. 
live no longer as the Gentiles do. Where are they at? They're in Ephesus. Who is the, the god there? It's Artemis, right? What does she have in her statue? It's, she's a sex god, right? So there's all those things that go along with it. There's male and female prostitutes. There's everything going along. And Paul is calling them out of that lifestyle. He's calling them out. And he does it so much so that the city, the, the silversmiths of the city, they are worried that everybody's going to go to this Christianity and abandon Artemis. And it's, it's pretty amazing Paul eventually gets kicked out of Artemis after being there for, or out of, yeah, he definitely gets kicked on Artemis. He gets kicked out of Ephesus after being there for a few years. He leaves the church with Timothy, and he goes on to visit some other ones. I think, I don't know if Paul does that necessarily by choice when I read that, or if it's like, Paul, if you don't get out of here, you're going to die, so you have to go. And he's like, all right, but I die. <laughs> he's like, I already have a couple of times. You prayed over me, remember? So it's craziness. So we need to no longer live as the Gentiles do. Why? They're hopelessly confused. They're searching for love in all the wrong places. It's like we could read a, write a country or an old song. About, oh, wait, there is one, right? A good old country song by that. Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Even that song's wrong. We need to look for love in Jesus Christ first. Once we have a true picture of what sacrificial action is, which is the definition of love, then we can move forward, right? So no, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Why? They're hopelessly confused. They're full of darkness. They've wandered far from the life God gives, and they've hardened their hearts. That's not good, folks. When they've hardened their hearts... It means it's hard for God to mold them, to shape them. Is it still possible? Yes, because nothing's impossible for God. But it's difficult, right? It didn't turn out good for Pharaoh. It hasn't turned out good for other people I know that have hardened their hearts. And how do we know this? They have no sense of shame. They'll do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want to. They live for lustful pleasure, they have no governor on their throttle. They just go full tilt until the engine burns. Right? And they're eager to practice every kind of impurity. This one's not doing it, so I'm going to go to this one. This one's not doing it, so I'm going to go to this one. And this one's not doing it, so I'm going to try this one. And I'm going to try everything because what are they chasing after? They're chasing after the God-shaped hole that's in every man's heart. And the only person that can fill that is Jesus. Now, those pleasures, it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It'll stop some of the pain coming in and out, right? And if you move it around a little bit, it'll even feel nice on the sides and things. And so if you move around and stay busy enough, you can fill that God-shaped hole. But at the end of the day, when you stop or the, your phone breaks and you can't get on and you're wondering what is life all about? The only person that's going to fill that hole is Jesus Christ. He is perfectly molded into that hole to be there for us. Amen? Amen. Yeah. They're taking a pension this morning. That's right. Wait a minute. Yeah, I said it wrong. You are paying attention. So we flirt with this kind of lifestyle, don't we? 
We flirt with it in the sense that many Christians will do this. They will say, I will be a Christian on a Sunday, but during the week, I'm going to do my own thing. And when I get to the end of the week, I'm going to go up to God and say, I'm going to say, oh, God, I sinned. Let's make up. Kissy, kissy. How would that work with an all-powerful God? I have not said that to God, but you reacted just like I wanted you to. Oh, oh, why would you dare that to an all-powerful God who, if you went up to him and said, kissy, kissy, you're making a lot of assumptions there, aren't you? You're assuming he's going to forgive you. You're assuming that you're right with God and everything's okay after that. It is a very arrogant way to come to the Lord. I'm going to sin all week long, and then when I get to the end, I'm going to, I need you, God, because I'm going to do it my way. And that's not how God works. God says, I want you to live from Sunday to Sunday, not, not and I'm talking Sunday, maybe night to Sunday morning, right? We are on everything in between. Not Monday to Friday, Saturday, we're going to live like one way, and then we're going to come back and only on Sunday, live how we want to live. So I, or we have this idea that, okay, God, here's all my sin, just make it go away. And what do we want, really? We don't want consequences for our sins. We don't want, you know, I really hurt Barbara's heart last week, and so I'm not going, you know, I I asked God to forgive me, so Barbara and I are good. No, no, there's still consequences. I still broke Barbara's heart or whatever. Poor Barbara, I don't even know who she is. But, uh, right? So we're going along, and that's not good. I have a responsibility to my fellow man to be right with them. Because if I'm going to love God, I want to love others, right? And if I'm going to love others, I need to love God. They go hand in hand. So there's no fear in the Lord in this that I can get away scot-free and I can just do whatever I want. So we need to realize that God doesn't need us. We need God. Does that make sense? God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to praise. He created us because he, he did want to be with us, but he doesn't need us. We need God. If we want to have eternal life, we need God. If we want to live life to its fullest here on earth, we need God. If we want to see that there is a peace that passes understanding, if you want to experience that, you need God. And if we choose not to have God, there's consequences of that. It says that God's wrath is sitting on your shoulders now. And it is a major impact in what God has for us. And if we don't take that burden off, we'll be much like these Gentiles already. Stinking thing. Got to have it on there or else I hear the... So we need God, don't we? And when we stand before the Lord and we confess our sins with a repentant attitude, posture, and heart, God is faithful and just to forgive us our, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. We are justified to stand boldly as children of God. This is the work of God, not of us, which is awesome to see. Have you ever seen somebody that's been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ? It is amazing. It is wonderful. It is transformative. It is contagious. And it is something that I have. 
and I want you to have it too. Whoa, that's bold. Lord, I think, was closing my mouth last week. I, I had, I'm going to say, I had like the worst sermon last week ever that I've preached at White Rose, I felt, last week. And, and Elijah was very kind and said, dude, I got some really good points. He says, because if the devil was working that hard to keep your mouth closed, um, it, was, it was still coming out, the message was. So he was graceful in that. But I get very frustrated sometimes watching people that I've ministered to sit in the same lifestyle over and over. And you know why I get frustrated with, with y'all sometimes? Because I get frustrated with myself for the same thing. Why do we have to do this? Why am I still like this? Ugh! So I can't get frustrated with you unless I'm pointing the figure right back at me, which is just fine, and I do often. I have high expectations for my walk in Christ, and I have high expectations for yours as well. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want you to encourage me in mine. It's Romans 1.12, right? That is so important for the body of believers as we go. So furthermore, as we continue on, we seek the Lord's will and we walk in his ways or we'll be right back where we started, asking for forgiveness with the same problem. We need to break out of the cycle. We get in secular things a lot, right, with addictions, with language, with uh, relationships. We get in cycles. We want to be in comfort and comfort tends to go in a cycle. You know, even when we get going along, what do we have? The cycle of abuse. Have you ever heard of that? That is when we're in a bad relationship and it keeps coming around and we're like, oh, he apologized. He really means it's it's okay this time. And then you're right back into it. And you're like, how did I get here? How did I end up here? Well, it's that cycle. We got to break the cycle. Break the cycle. So, Christian, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. In other words, if I don't practice what I preach, I will actually be hurting the gospel message rather than spreading it. If I say one thing but do another, doesn't the world do that all the time? They say, oh, you should act like this, but, you know, you shouldn't cuss, kids, and they're over here cussing up a storm, right? That's two-faced. We can't do that. God calls us out of that. And how do I do that? I do that with discipline. I do that in faith that God's going to change my life. I recognize when I fall short, and I don't glory in it. I don't relax in the... The euphoria that maybe it's alcohol or drugs gives me, or even it's the high of whatever, almost getting caught. I almost got caught, right? That one's probably my trickiest, one of my trickiest things, almost just getting away with it kind of thing. And we can't have that. So we actually be hurting the gospel more than, than helping. And a lot of times we think we're getting away with something we are not. So 
This is not the way of Christ. Practice what you have heard and learned. Throw off your old sinful nature. Put a stake in the ground and declare, I will put my faith in the rock of Christ Jesus. I am tied to him. Because what happens when we put our stake in Christ Jesus and he is our anchor when we're climbing up that mountain? When we fall, we're not going all the way down, are we? We're only going to fall back to our stake and we can move forward from there. We can come to him with a broken and contrite heart and say, Lord, I messed up again. I am a broken person. Will you forgive me? That's what communion is all about, right? Reminding that Christ in his brokenness died for our sins so that he could rescue us from this present evil age. If we submit to him, that is what we're doing. So put a stake in the ground and throw off our former way of life and its deceptions. It's corrupted by lusts. What can you lust after? There's lots of things to lust after. We can lust at, after somebody's car. My neighbor's got a car that, that I want. You know, that's envy and lust. They go hand in hand. Um, I can lust after my neighbor's wife. I can lust after my neighbor's donkey. And it's dwelling on it, right? Not just envying it and saying, oh, I really want that. But it's, it's I want... Um, my neighbor's donkey would be a Bronco today, right? A Ford Bronco or whatever you want to call it, right? So, yeah, man, if I just had that Jeep, I'd just, I'd be grand. I'd almost be a Cherokee. Huh? I got a million of them today. They're not good, but I got them. <laughs> right? Hey, man. <laughs> That's right. I'm a Chevy guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> so... When we know, when we are corrupted by this lust, is wanting what we lack. I think I need a new car. I think I need a boyfriend. I think I need a girlfriend. I think I need, I think I need. And really, those are things or wants, and we already have something that would be suffice, but we're not content with what we have. Or we don't have, um, but we, you know, I could just really make it if I had this. I'd be somebody if I was like this, if I were cool. Yeah, that's, it's kind of greedy, isn't it? Uh, we want what we lack, and the devil has been using this for years. Instead, we need to be content with our daily bread. We pray for our daily bread. We press into the Lord and, and his ways, and we remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is probably a VBS song, but I just have this memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Right? It is a VBS song. I'm starting to sing it right now. All those things. See, that's the power of VBS. Gotta love Vacation Bible School. And I know that some here today were stuck in our former lifestyle and all its deceptions, all its comforts, and all of what it has to offer. And guess what? That breaks God's heart. And I'm not saying that to guilt you into change. I'm saying that because it really does break God's heart. But guess what? He still died for us anyway because he longs for that relationship with each one of us. He's calling us out. Come out and be separate. The world is telling you to live this lifestyle. The world is pushing this on you, but you can come out. You can be separate, and it's for your own good. God has a plan for you. 
and me, if you walk in his ways, and if you understand and seek him with all your heart. It is conditional. Verse 20 says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I don't know any different way. I don't know um, how to do this different, pastor. Well, praise God that he does. And if you ask him, he will renew your thoughts and he will renew your attitude. So that is pretty awesome. It says in Romans 12 too, do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let the God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can we beat addictions by ourselves? Yes. Can we do it with Lord? A lot easier, right? He carries our burdens with us, right? There is something about that that is just amazing. And when we put on this new nature that is created by, to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy, we learn to bless those who persecute us. What? It's true. You can do it. We don't curse them, but we pray that God would bless them because our heart changes. Our heart changes. Not theirs. Our heart changes. And when they see that change in us and they see that we're living out what we're supposed to do, their heart begins to change. And their lifestyle begins to change. And they ask, "What? Is, there's something different about you. I got to know. And I'm like, let me tell you about my Jesus. Amen? It, it's possible. Yeah, we should write a song about that one too. Good job. Oh, yeah. I know there is. Good old Ann, she wrote that one. Twelve, um, Romans 12, 15 and 16 says, Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. And I think this is, as a church, we've shined this year. We've been happy with those that have been happy. We've wept with those who've wept. It's been some, some good times and some bad times this year at White Rose. We need to live in harmony with one another, not in sin, but in righteous living. Does that mean self-righteous living? Well, I'm pious and I can do this all by myself. No, it's not. It's I'm broken. I can't do this by myself and I need Jesus. And if I don't have him, I'm going to go right back. Lord, help me. It's more, it's more of a prayer like that, which I say very often. And I woke up this morning saying it again. So don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. That's also verse 16. Remember, everyone is somebody in Christ's body. That was one of our teachers from college. He used to say that everybody's a somebody in Christ's body, meaning everybody's got a place here in God's kingdom. Everybody's accepted for who they are under his rules, right? Because his rules are good. They're structured for us for righteous living. Wow. Not in sin, but in righteous living. Don't be too proud because we're all equipped. At, we're all equal at the foot of the cross, aren't we not? What's that mean? When we come to Jesus, right? So what did Jesus do? He died on the cross. When he died on the cross, he rescued us from our sin. So where do we lay our burden down? We lay it at the foot of the cross. And so when we come to the foot of the cross, we all have equal burdens of sin. There's nothing that is any different. Mine isn't less than yours. Yours isn't greater than mine or vice versa. Yours isn't less than mine and mine greater than yours. 
It's all equal at the foot of the cross. Christ died equally and paid for our penalty equally at the foot of the cross. He said that he did this that no man could boast. There's no man that has ever sinned way too much that God can't forgive, and there's no man that's never sinned at all, except for Jesus, that can get into heaven without. Right? And so we all come to Jesus from the beginning of time to the end of time, and we have to surrender to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I accept the free gift of salvation that you give to me, and I can get into heaven. And don't think that you know it all. Change your language. Teenagers, this one starts with you, but adults, we just ignore. We don't even, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When somebody tells you something you already know, and you're like, I know, I know. You ever, you ever say that? Sometimes I say that in my own head. Right? I know, I know, I know. Well, if somebody's had to tell you, tell you some four or five times and you already know, then why haven't you put it into practice? That one's what gets me. I'm like, oh. When I hear that myself now, when I go, I know, I'm like, then why am I not doing it? They've been kind enough and bold enough to be my friend to call me out on something that I don't really like. I need to say, okay, why haven't I changed? This is an eternal. Ask myself, why am I reacting this way? Have it been told several times? Why? Do I agree with them or disagree with them? And if I, don't, if I disagree with them, maybe I need to, to have that conversation. If I agree with them, then why haven't I changed? Why haven't I put this advice into practice? If I have, why can't they see it? Right? Or it's an external one. Maybe it's somebody that says, well, you really should do it this way. Okay? I'm actually doing that way, and you're just too immature to see that I'm doing it that way. Because that happens sometimes. I get that often as a young pastor. That's, that's the best blessing of gray hairs. Because then I don't look so young. I am just, and so they don't lecture me near as much as they used to. But there's an external thing that can go along with that. You can double down. When somebody says, well, you really should do that. Well, tell me more about that. Because oftentimes when somebody's giving you that advice, usually it means they need to work on that as well. Tell me more about that. Tell me, what do you mean by that? What, what are some ways that I could change? What are some of the ways that I can implement this in my life? Even though I already know, or I think I do, that is, that is a very humble way to allow them to speak into your life. And you, they might tell you something that you haven't ever thought about. Because if Christ is in this, when he enters our lives, he liberates us from our lifestyle of sin. Let's get to the second section, which is shorter than the first. 25 through 29 says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are parts of the same body. And, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. I'm going to read that again. Somebody needs to hear that again. And don't let your, don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. 
If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and those, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everyone, everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Okay, so we have entered the put-offs and the put-ons of Scripture. These are things that we need to take off and things we need to put on. This whole section from 1729 really is put-offs and put-ons of Scripture. There's many times that Paul will do this. So if we are a thief, we need to stop stealing and we need to give. If we are a liar, we need to stop lying. We need to tell the truth. If we have following abusive language, we need to stop that and we need to put on things that are building each other up and encourage one another. Wow, this is something. So the put-offs and the put-ons. So let's make it our goal to replace sinful behaviors with biblical alternatives. Because if you try to take something out of your life that is a pattern, you have to replace it with something that is righteous or you will go right back into that pattern. Okay, sometimes it takes years to walk out of a pattern, and sometimes it takes only seconds. Okay, my dependence on Christ can take seconds to get out of. Here's one that usually takes seconds. If I can't find something around the house and I ask God, where did I put that? He usually answers me. But until I allow my pride to subside, I can do this by, I can find this, I can find this. <laughs> and I, I ask God, it usually comes. I, I take a second, I think, and I used to hear, 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 okay, I know where it's at. It's by my bedside. That's usually these things, right? Right? Praise God, these things come with a, a bell on them or else, whew. <laughs> right? So I'm going along and I'm looking for different things and that it's just something simple that I can still give to God. There's more things that, that get complex, like giving my family to God. Okay, I'm going to trust you, God, with my family. And I'm going to give them over to you today, allow you to bless them, whether it's in pain and suffering or if it's in blessing and encouragement. That's a hard prayer to pray. I don't want my kids to suffer. Sometimes they need to suffer in little things so they don't have to suffer in big things. You know, allow them to have their heartbroken in a small way so they don't get crushed and feel rough down the road. For someone, so let's make, replace the sinful behaviors with biblical ones. Stop telling lies. Instead, live honestly in a way that we live in a testimony to those around us. For someone who is a perpetual liar, this is hard. You ever meet someone that's a perpetual liar? You tell a, a, a fish story and they got a big fish story. You tell them um, how big your camper is and there's the one that you stoned was so much bigger. And they will make up a story like you're a big Star Wars fan, they're a bigger Star Wars fan, or, um, or they don't have time for that because they're so much better than you because and they already, they really secretly do like Star Wars or whatever. You ever run into those people? It's hard for them to change that lifestyle. I've met some, but I, I also know it is possible to walk out of that lifestyle because I've seen that transformation. I've seen that transformation in Jesus Christ. It's okay to tell the truth. 
for someone who lies all the time, they're always worried about getting caught in their lies. And whenever we choose to live honestly, we have the confidence of the truth on our side. We don't have to recall our story. We can recall the truth. And it allows us to be bold in what we say and do because our integrity backs us up, our character backs us up, not just our words. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Because they can see through our actions that there's something bigger than this. So let's tell the truth, tell our neighbors the truth. When we live out the truth, we can be a testimony to, in our words and actions. Then our neighbors will know we stand beside, behind our word, and words are great, but if they're not backed up by action, they are worthless. James really illustrates this well in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. It says, but don't, listen to, don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Oh, yeah. You ever done that before? No, I'm pretty good. I, I'm pretty vain. I know what I look like. Uh, isn't that truth? Right? You ever covered up all the mirrors in your house and just go out with what you got? I think that would scare, that would scare me. My, my daughter keeps trying to tell me I need to go out and uh, wear a mohawk. She's like, you got your hair shaved on all sides. You could just stick that up and it would just, it'd be the perfect mohawk. She loves this haircut. I love my daughter, but I am not going to put a mohawk, and I'm not going to wear one to church. But if I ever do, it's because I lost a bet to Piper, okay? So if you ever wonder, you won't have to ever wonder, I come with a mohawk because I lost the bet, okay? So for we are all parts of the same body, not only do we represent ourselves, we represent the Lord, we represent our family, we represent our church family, we represent Christianity as a whole, we represent Christ's church, and we represent Christ's church in the world. We have a big responsibility in the sense that we are bigger than ourselves. And when we understand that Christianity is bigger than ourselves, and it's a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus is what the big deal is, not us. We can change this world because Jesus is the changing factor, not me. It's not me. If I had my way, I'd be a lying, conniving, conniving manipulative SOB. It's true. I'd be very, oh, yes. But Christ in me allows me to change my heart, change my mind, and live a lifestyle that is pleasing to him. It's not easy. It's a choice that I choose to follow Jesus, right? We can all make that choice. We can all follow him. For we're all parts of the same body. Our, action, our actions dictate how other people see Jesus, and I take that very seriously. We make a conscious effort to let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That was our call to worship this morning. Let your light shine, let your light shine so that others can see. Keep going, Shane. All right. Don't let anger control you. Ooh, this is a tough one. This one I got personal on this one, right? 
do I have anger problems? Not too bad. But you ever coach junior high basketball boys, you can get an anger problem real quick, right? When they're goofing off and not doing, and you're yelling to yell over top of them, and pretty soon you find yourself yelling. Oh, boy. That was me this week. Um, a little bit is okay. Out of control is not. Right? A little bit is okay. Out of control is not. I was at the point. I didn't lose my control, but I got close. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. What kind of anger is that? That's anger when you find something that you didn't know about somebody, like your spouse, or somebody was cheating on you, somebody was spending money you weren't supposed to, or some. That's anger that, that flares up of somebody that's close to you. And that you're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. This is ridiculous. What are they doing? I'm spending. And it's never your fault in that situation, is it? It's always their fault. It's like, no, I can't sleep. It's their fault. I can. Oh, that was me like three weeks ago. I'm like, oh, man, I can't even. I don't even know why I'm this worked up. It wasn't even that big of a deal. <laughs> right? But we always have a choice. It is always a choice on how we're going to react to any situation. And generally speaking, for me, anger is the easy, simple way to get what I want. If I flare up in my anger, I can get my kids to follow what I want them to do. What's the problem with that? I'm passing it on, right? What happens when Inevitably, it's going to happen, folks. When Sawyer gets bigger than me, William's probably going to get bigger than me, and they get angry. They can probably put me in my place however they want to, right? That's not the solution. The solution is for them to see and to make up with the renewing of their mind how they can change their heart so their lifestyle will reflect Jesus Christ. If I keep continue going the quick fix and the quick fix and the quick fix, it's not going to work. So what's the problem with the quick fix when it comes to home repair? If they become the norm, your house is going to burn down. Oh, I'll just quick fix this real quick. Oh, I'll just, you know, oh, we don't have, I got to run this from here to here in electrical and all I got is a piece of aluminum. We'll just, it's a quick fix. Right, what's that going to do? That'll burn your house down. <laughs> right? But, it, but it'll be all right for right now. I'll change it. I'll change it. It'll be fine. But do we ever change? No. If it works for a while, we're just going to leave it like that. And our house is a wreck. And we're like, what is this? What's wrong with your house, Pastor Shane? Well, it's holy. Well, yeah, I can see it's holy. You punched all these holes in the wall, right? That's not the kind of holiness we want in our house, folks, right? We want it to be pleasing and, and lifting up. And it's, I like to use a house illustration because my last name is house, right? And so what happens when I use a quick face of anger on the house household, it undercuts the foundation that we established of the whole household. Character takes time to build, and anger is not going to build up very often, there's only about one case we see that Jesus uses righteous anger. We can probably, there's a few righteous cases of anger. You see it more in the Old Testament where God destroys people out of righteous anger. But God says that's, there's a better way now. There's a way of love through my son Jesus Christ and we can have that. Character takes time to build. And if I'm going to teach 
my kids anger, it's, or if I teach them shortcuts all the time, not only is my house in danger, the whole house family tree is in danger. And I don't want that to happen. My grandpa brought us out of that lifestyle when he accepted Jesus Christ how many 70, 80 years ago. I'm not going to bring my house back into that lifestyle. So put off anger and put on patience. Put on endurance. Put on long-suffering. I pulled off three verses of this. Romans 12, 12, which we've said already. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. One of our best tools to get out of anger is prayer. To walk away from the situation. Count to 10. Count to 10 again. Take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. Because deep breaths actually help you calm down. You can walk out of that situation. You do not have to address that problem right now. Even when they're pressing you. What, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I think I need a minute or I'm going to blow up at you, which is what you want. I'm going to walk away now. I'm going to come back with a cool head because that's what Jesus wants. So I need a minute. And if they don't let you have a minute, you go to the car and you drive away. Get a minute and you come back ready to go because it's going to come pressing, pressing, pressing again. Colossians 1.1, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the, the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with all the patience and endurance you need with joy. Okay? That one in the New, that's the New Living Translation. You had to find the second patient endurance in the asterisk. Okay? That you'll be strengthened with his glorious power. So we're not dependent on our own strength. We're dependent on God's strength now that you will have all the endurance and patience you need, right? One of the most place, best places that you need endurance, patience that endures, is when a baby is crying and won't stop. And it's crying for an hour. It's crying for two hours. And you don't know what's wrong, and you're not sure what's going on, or you have a good idea what's wrong. Maybe they have, they're sick with the flu or something, and you can't make them better. And you have to endure through that. That is, that is something that you can't change their situation other than trying to comfort them. And, and you're not sure. You're scared. You're not sure what's going to go on. You've got to give those over to the Lord. Right? And he's going to allow you to endure. Sometimes you've got to sum down and walk away and come back to those even. Right? Last one, Second Peter Three nine says the Lord isn't really slow, isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. And this is about coming back for the second time. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. This is long suffering at its fullest. Christ is the best long sufferer. He is waiting so that we might come into repentance, so that he may save more people. Praise God for that. Next, put off theft and put on hard work. Hard work helps tons of stuff, right? It can be, it can be a guide unto itself, so you got to be careful about that. But hard work Helps a lot of things. So put off that, put on hard work. Paul says, if you are a thief, quit stealing. You need to change your mindset. Why do I think I need that? Stop 
and ask yourself, why do I feel I need to, to steal this? Isn't my God going to provide all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? So I can put that back. I don't need that. It might be a want. It might be the thrill, which is what gets me sometimes, right? Ooh, I can get away with this. Oh. Use your hands for good works. Give generously to others in need. You'll find more joy in that. It is not for us to judge their need, but for God to pass judgment. So don't judge somebody that you're giving need to. Just give. Put off foul or abusive language. We'll close with this. Do not use foul or abusive language. The, the language for foul and abusive language in the original Greek is like rotting or a stench in your mouth. Okay? It's like having rot and a stench in your mouth. Yum. So not only is it maybe cuss words, what we would say traditionally, but it's also like a negative attitude. And looking at the glass always half empty and things of that nature. So what can we do to change that? We can become an encourager. Let everything you say be helpful and good. You can choose your attitude. You choose whether to think negatively or positively. Be an encourager. Lift other people up. We choose our vocabulary. You can get more creative than cuss words. It's true, right? A lot of times when we use cuss words, it's just being lazy. It's lazy speech, and it makes you look like an idiot. I've said it. But when you can use intelligent words and you can have a better description of that, it's going to make you appear more intelligent. Try that. And we can make a conscious effort to change both our attitude and our vocabulary because when Christ enters our lives, he liberates us from our lifestyle of sin. You know what it means to be liberated? It's what we did when in World War II when we went over to France. We liberated France from the oppression of Germany, right? That's what Christ does in our camp with sin. Sin has come and taken over our lives. Christ can come in and liberate your heart and change your mind, change your heart, and change your lifestyle so that we are holy and pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for love for each one of us. We thank you that you are a God who loves us and that you care for us. Lord, as we prepare for communion this morning, I pray that you would forgive us of our needs, forgive us of our sins, I mean, that we need to give up to you. Forgive us that we become independent in the sense that we think we can do it by ourselves when we really need a Savior. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you and turn to your ways. We ask that you would guide and direct us as we come before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.